You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hi, I'm Mike Troy, host of the American Revolution Podcast on the Airwave Media Network. This podcast is the origin story of the United States, how we went from colonies ruled by a king to the democratic republic that we have today. The American Revolution Podcast tells the story of the revolution from beginning to end. Please subscribe for free. We're available on all major podcast platforms. I hope you will join me today on the American Revolution Podcast. What if I told you that one of the most important American military regiments of all time was black? Now, what if I told you that a member of that regiment fought off over a dozen German soldiers by himself with the butt of his gun, a couple of grenades, and a combat knife, and lived to tell the story? I'm Andre, and this is the story of the Harlem Hellfighters, and this is the Redacted History Podcast. World War I, the first war, the Great War, the war of all nations, the war to end all wars. A four-year conflict involving most of the European nations, the Middle East, and the United States, kinda. A war that would have ramifications and implications that would span the next century, knocking over political figures like dominoes, splitting countries in half, and giving way to some of the most infamous dictators the world has ever seen. World War I saw some of the most death and carnage that had ever been brought on by a war in the world's history. That is until everyone decided that they wanted to do it all over again 20 years later, but that's beside the point. For decades preceding the war, tensions had been growing between European nations. It was like a large pot filled to the brim with hot water. And that water finally boiled over in the summer of 1914 when the heir to the throne of Austria-Hungary was assassinated in cold blood. These events sent Europe into a frenzy and sparked the Great War. The Central Powers, led by Germany, Austria-Hungary, and the Ottoman Empire on one side, and the Allies, led by France, Great Britain, and Russia on the other side. Hmm, someone's missing from that equation. Y'all know who it is? I can't seem to figure it out. Oh yeah, the United States of America. You see, the United States of America was led by my favorite president of all time, Woodrow Wilson. And in the midst of all the fun racism the United States had stateside and all the issues they had stateside, they decided to remain neutral in the war for the time being. And Americans largely supported uh, this neutrality. Uh, They supported one side or another of the war, with most folks being sympathetic to the plight of the Allies. However, those plans all changed in 1917. In short, the Americans intercepted Germany basically flirting with Mexico. The Germans said, psst, psst, hey, 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 yeah, you. You know that territory you lost during the Mexican-American War like a hundred years ago or something? Yeah, yeah, that territory, yeah. We can get it back for you. (laughs) Yeah, we, we, we can do that if you come kill Europeans with us or something like that. Now, Think about all that information that I just gave you. You probably knew a lot of that. 
I know that when I took history classes, the first thing I learned about World War I was the killing of the Archduke and how America swoops in to save the day. But we never talked about any unsung heroes of the war. We never talked about the black soldiers and how they endured two different wars at the same time. If you want exclusive content, voting on what topics I talk about on the podcast, live streams, and access to merch, yo, you got to go join the Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash blackout, B-L-A-C-K-K-O-U-T, linked in the description below. Now let's get back to the show. So the U.S. put on their fighting girdle and sailed for Europe. The United States basically mobilized folk from all backgrounds and sent three million men to death. I mean, war. <laughs> Woodrow Wilson said that the world must be safe for democracy. And a lot of folk found this comment to be hypocritical. A lot of folk being me. Since he was the president who screened the most racist movie of all time, Birth of a Nation, in the White House and opposed a federal anti-lynching bill. But we can get to that another time. Let's rewind a little bit. The United States didn't have many people ready to fight for war. Quite the contrary, actually. In 1914, the United States military was about 100,000 strong, and the National Guard had about 115,000 men, respectively. President Wilson wanted the war effort to include the already established army plus whatever men wanted to volunteer. But this plan kind of fell flat when only about 73,000 men volunteered. So, the recommendation was accepted for a draft. This is what came to be the Selective Service Act of 1917, which mandated that all men ages 21 to 30 register for the draft. Now, with a draft, the question of what to do with African-American soldiers came up, of course, as it was inevitably going to. At the time of World War I, the African-American army was completely segregated but a total of 2.2 million African-Americans were registered for the draft. Many African-Americans signed up for the war thinking that if they fought in the war, then they would prove that they belonged in America and rightfully earn their place. And I wish that they were right. So, have you heard of the Harlem Hellfighters? Yes? No? Well, allow me to introduce them. The Harlem Hellfighters was a nickname given to them for reasons I will tell you later. But they were formed in 1916. They were the 15th New York National Guard and later converted to the 369th Infantry Regiment to the War Department once the war started for America. The regiment consisted mainly of African Americans, though it also included men from Puerto Rico, Cuba, Guyana, Liberia, Portugal, Canada, and the West Indies. The 15th New York National Guard was actually very historic in terms of African-American service lore. They had helped quell the New York City draft rights of 1863 and even had some federal service ship. They had been etching their names in history for 50 years at this point, but now they were the 369th. The 369th Regiment was officially organized in July of 1916. They were split up throughout New York City and had, you know, uneventful and meaningful duties, to say the least, like guarding ships and docks and armories. They were to guard railroad lines, construction sites and camps. While training and performing wartime duties, many members of the 369th experienced harsh racism and refusals of service even when they were in uniform. But hey, 
What's new? Let's fast forward a little bit of time. In April of 1918, the United States had already entered the war, and the 369th is about to see their first piece of action, but not in the way that you would imagine. Many white soldiers refused to fight alongside black soldiers. You can kill other white people, but doing it alongside black people is where you draw the line, huh? Since these soldiers refused to fight alongside black soldiers, the 369th Regiment was assigned to the French Army. They were assigned to basically fight in the French Army for the duration of the war. They were given French guns, munitions, pouches, and gears, although they still were to fight in their American uniforms. Very confusing, I know. And before the African Americans were given to the French, the French were actually warned about their inferior nature and how they had racist tendencies. And it's funny because as America was entering the war, it was found that the French and British were low on men. After all, they had been fighting for like three years at this point. And General John J. Pershing was one of the highest ranking military officials who went on record to say that no American soldier would fight on behalf of another country. And this ended up being true, except if you were black. But what happened is not what you would expect. The French soldiers actually welcomed the American soldiers with open arms, and they were treated like part of the actual French army, no different, better or worse than any other French soldier. In May of 1918, the 369th got right down to business and were assigned to the French trenches. They fought in several key battles on the French front alongside French soldiers and served a tour of six months, which was the longest deployment of any unit in World War I. They spent 191 days total on the French line, more than any other American unit. It's ironic because one of the main reasons that African Americans were excluded from the military so often was because white people truly believed that they were inept and couldn't fight. But when given the opportunity, they flourished. The Harlem Hellfighters, remember, that's the 369th, were truly one of the most important regiments in American history. Originally, the Hellfighters called themselves the Black Rattlers, and you can still see the snake on their crest. But history recognizes them as the Hellfighters, which is actually the nickname given to them by German soldiers. The Germans called them Hohlenkampfer, which is German for Hellfighter. A Prussian soldier who was actually captured by Americans during battle referred to them as devils. They smile while they kill and they won't be taken alive, he said. Hellfighter is not what they call themselves, but what the enemy called them. And that makes the name that much more special. And there was a specific man who made the entire world know why they deserve that name. 26 years old, 5 foot 4 inches tall, 130 pounds. This was Henry Johnson. Henry Johnson was said to be born in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, sometime around 1892. These dates and locations are somewhat speculation, but it was the information that Henry gave when he registered for the war. He moved to Albany, New York when he was a teenager and was a red-capped porter on Broadway. Honest man making an honest living. Henry Johnson enlisted in the United States military on June 5, 1917, joining the all-black New York National Guard 15th Infantry Regiment, and as we stated earlier, was converted to the 369th Infantry Regiment based in Harlem. Some of us love history. Others used to or never did because history was presented as nothing but the rote memorization of names, dates, and facts. Basically, the story got left out, and that made history kind of suck. My name is Greg Jackson. 
I'm a university professor with a PhD in history, and bringing history to life is my passion. That's why I created my podcast, History That Doesn't Suck. I want to teach you everything you need to know about U.S. history, but I do so through stories. Let me tell you about George Washington begging his men not to mutiny against Congress. Clara Barton saving Union soldiers amid enemy fire. Enslaved Frederick Douglass risking his life for liberty. And about so many other figures as their real experiences make industrialization, social movements, and even congressional debates and tax policy come to life. Subscribe to History That Doesn't Suck today. And join me, Professor Greg Jackson, every other week for a new episode, where I'd like to tell you a story. May 15, 1918. Private Henry Johnson and Needham Roberts were standing guard and patrolling a bridge near no man's land. Around two in the morning, shots rang out and the sounds of wire cutters alerted the two American soldiers. Johnson, opening a box of grenades, told Roberts to run back and alert the main line of defense. But at the moment, the first enemy grenades landed in their position. Henry Johnson stalled the German patrol with grenades of his own as Roberts was struck down with shrapnel wounds to his arm and hip. When out of grenades, Henry took up his French rifle. The LaBelle rifle carries a magazine clip of but three cartridges. Johnson fired his first three shots, the last one almost muzzled to the breast of a German soldier that was bearing down upon him. As that soldier fell, a comrade jumped over his body, pistol in his hand, to avenge the German soldier's death. There was no time for Henry to reload. Henry Johnson swung his rifle around his head and brought it down with a blow upon the head of the German. The German soldier went down. As Johnson looked over to assist Needham Roberts, he saw two Germans lift him up to carry him over towards the German lines. He was to be a prisoner of war. Johnson reached for his army-issued knife and charged at the German soldiers. His aggressiveness took the Germans by surprise. Turning to face the rest of the German patrol, Henry Johnson was struck by a bullet from an automatic pistol, but continued to lunge forward at the Germans, stabbing and slashing at them. The enemy patrol of Germans panicked. Overwhelmed by Johnson's ferocity and with the sound of French and American troops approaching, the Germans ran back into the night. It was said that Henry Johnson killed one German with rifle fire, knocked another one down with a clubbed rifle, killed another two with his knife, killed one with a grenade, and it is believed that he wounded several others. Some called it the Battle of Henry Johnson. This act of valor earned him the nickname Black Death. Even after suffering 21 wounds in hand-to-hand combat, Henry Johnson has stopped the Germans from approaching the French line or capturing his fellow soldier. The French 16th Division, which commanded the Hellfighters, quickly recognized the action of Henry Johnson and Needham Roberts. The two soldiers received the French Croix de Guerre, the country's highest military honor. Henry Johnson became the first American hero of World War I. Former President Theodore Roosevelt called Johnson one of the five bravest soldiers to serve in World War I. Henry Johnson's heroics seemed to stand as a significant morale booster to the unit for the rest of the war. The unit fought fiercely for the rest of the war and received over 170 decorations for heroism. Henry Johnson returned home as a hero. However, his battle wounds and scars prevented him from ever returning to any real semblance of a normal life. He was deemed permanently disabled and fought a harsh battle with tuberculosis in 1927. 
And what makes it worse is that his injuries were never taken down by the army and he was never given any type of payment or compensation uh, or disability from the army. Henry Johnson passed away on July 1st, 1929 at the age of 36, poor and destitute because the American army failed him after he had given them so much. Henry Johnson never got true fitting recognition for his sacrifices until after he died, of course, because that was just the way things went for black folks. In 1991, he got a monument in New York's Washington Park. And in 2015, he was finally given the Medal of Honor posthumously by President Barack Obama, 97 years after he fought in World War I. Had he been white, he would have walked out of the First World War with the Medal of Honor. And there is no doubt about that. Yo, I have a surprise update. A lot of you have been asking for visual shows to go along with the audio podcast, and they are on the way. The Redacted History YouTube channel is coming soon. You can find the link to our YouTube channel linked in the description below on this podcast episode. Subscribe so you can be the first to know when new visual episodes of the show are posted. Now, let's finish the show. History wants you to forget about the Harlem Hellfighters. They are the story of resilience, courage, and bravery in the face of bigotry, evil, and death. The Harlem Hellfighters chose to go to war and fight on behalf of a country that refused to fight for them, and then fought on behalf of another country they were passed down to like scraps. A story that we hear so often about black people dating all the way back to the 18th century in the Revolutionary War. This regiment of black men were humiliated, degraded, and thrown away by their own country to the French army and ended up coming home as the most decorated American military unit from World War I. Black people fighting with sheer tenacity and bravery, knowing very well that the white people that fight beside them could go back to hating them once the fighting was over. The commodification of the black body at its finest. Jim Crow, lynchings, racial violence, all personalities of the country they chose to find some way to believe in. The story of the Harlem Hellfighters is the story of brave and noble men who chose to fight for something when they had every reason to turn their backs. And for that, I salute. Long live the Hellfighters. Peace. If you enjoyed this week's episode, please consider leaving a rating and review on whatever platform you're listening on. It truly goes a long way. Thank you so much for your support. And I'll see you next time.